and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there. This is Sorry You're In My Seat. Each week we take on a different movie topic or theme within movies on the quest to find the greatest of all time. James? Well, do you know what? This time, it's time to put away your mobile phones. It's time to put away your laptop. We're going back. We're going back to a time of bangles, mate. We're going back to a time when Star Wars was three good films. We're going back to a time when The Matrix made sense. We're going back to a time when, you know, Hugh Grant was still charming and lovable and British. We're going back for Tamagotchis, mate. We're going back to last millennium. We're checking out and answering the question, is 1999 the greatest film Movies for film, ever. I do so well. Year for films. <laughs> Years for films. The greatest year for films. And Hugh Grant is still British as well. He's still British, but he's not as charming, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so this all spawned off the back of last year when we did a special throwback episode to 1990. Yep. This idea that every now and again we're going to put out episodes where we focus not on the box office or what's coming out that week on streaming services. We're just going to pick a year from the past, look at the movies that came out that year and see how good it was. 1990 turned out to be a cracking year for film. Delta. So we were just so impressed with the movies that came out. And I was alive. I was free at the time. Ah, uh, yeah? Really? Yeah, oh, I think it was. Oh. So in 1999, I would have been, obviously, quick maths, you need to cover the one, seven, two, eleven, ish. Yeah. Ish. So, yeah. So we said, you're okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> No, I would have been 12. I would have been 12. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I probably saw a lot of these movies in cinemas or was at least very more, more consciously aware of these movies than I was in 1990 when we looked at that movie. Do you, so, want, yeah. the most, do you want the most heartbreaking thing I'm going to tell you now? I'm just going to make you feel old. I owned a lot of these films on VHS. Oh, that's weird going back, mate. Yeah, VHS. not long after this, DVDs started coming mm. out. So I believe during this time, DVDs were still coming out, but they were also coming out with um, what was called HD DVD, which is the, just like when we had VHS, we had Betamax. One of them dies and one of them carries on. <laughs> oh, <sighs> mate, it's you're the past. I am. I'm looking forward to this episode because, as I say, the last one was really good. We're going to stick in the 90s because after 177, eight episodes, we did the 80s a lot in mm. like year two of the podcast. So it, it makes saying, sense that we're now looking at the 90s. We're not saying the 80s is over. We just said that, you know, and also we're going to talk about the year. We need to see a lot of the films. Mm. So the 80s, we've cherry picked the best ones, but there's a lot of films in here that I know for a fact aren't great, mate, and that you've seen. Yeah, because <laughs> there will be some people out there going, well, if you're a real film fan, let's go back to the 1970s. And yeah. I, I, it's time will come. And the thing is, I've definitely missed out a massive 99 film, a 99 film, and I just can't remember it. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, internet. Come at me with you. Although I've got to admit, have you read the list I've sent you? Because I've sent the greatest film. Is on, I made sure that Fliff was on the list. Yeah, so James is going to, because I took control of the 1990 episode, James has taken over 1999. So you're going to take us on a tour mm. of films in 1999 you I've, have pre-sent me the list so i um, have yeah i've also it's really important to say as well i've used u.s data because finding it for the uk was somewhat difficult so some of these films might have come out in a different month or the ones near the end of the year might have come out in a different time get over it let me mm. go we're gonna start mate we're not gonna start in the year 1999 we're going to start in the year 2000 because we want to see what was the best. What did people think of the best of 1999? So obviously the Oscars held in 2000. We're celebrating films of 1999. Best picture went to American Beauty. A fantastic story. 
a lot of it we can't talk about now because wow, did that film kind of turn out true? <laughs> <laughs> just, just move on. Best director Sam Mendes. What a great career he's had. You know, we were uh, raving wild about 1917, but he's been doing it consistently for such a long time. American Beauty being fantastic. The best actor of that year was Redacted, so we can't talk about that. But now what we can talk about is best uh, best actress Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry. That was a great performance. Mm. Um, weird at the time transgender politics wasn't something that we talked about openly I mean let's be honest they're still kind of fucked up now you know not recognised but what a great film best supporting actor Michael Caine for the side of house rules um, best supporting actress Angelina Jolene for Girls Uninterrupted and you won't you might not know about this the best documentary announced that year was a film that came out called One Day in September a documentary that I fell in love with it was about the um, Moscow um, when the terrorists took over the, uh, the Munich Olympics oh right yeah yeah absolutely fantastic uh, so already setting up right. So we know American Beauty is going to be the biggest film. Is it though? So let's look at the box office. Number 10, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, a film that does not age well. I think I went to the cinema to watch that. I think I went several times. I really so liked I definitely this film. Number nine, American Beauty. So whilst topping the critics list, it wasn't seen as the most popular film. I was saying watched American Beauty. Uh, about four years ago. It's a great film. I really like it. I really like the, the actions it takes. Um, I really like the story it tells, like the midlife crisis blown up to a 10 redacted obviously Kevin Space we don't talk about him, but he did a good role he's a good actor in it but I like but I choose to celebrate the work Tara Bird oh, right. or like uh, and uh, Annette Benning I still still the acting was very good but I don't talk about a person mm. who's back now you know doing films he's signed on for several other films it seems like Hollywood has forgotten number eight and this one's going to shock you mate and I know you're not going to be happy the world is not enough don't worry we'll get on to it <laughs> okay you're really not selling this year so far. I know, but that's that's the point we're going to make. That's the point, mate. You've mm. fallen deliciously into my trap. Number seven, Notting Hill. Yeah, charming. Mm, charming. Number six, do you remember when Brendan Fraser had a career? He mm. wouldn't die, nine, nine, because he had the mummy. Cracking film. Uh, number five, Tarzan. I'll be honest, I haven't seen Tarzan. The animated? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil Collins did the soundtrack. Number four, The Matrix. It's back. Wow, yeah. So you should see one of our latest episodes for that. Number three, when Tim Allen had a career. Toy <laughs> Story 2. Oh, no, wait. No, he didn't. It'd be a perfect movie. Number two, The Sixth Sense. Yeah. And number one, just when you thought it was safe to go back in space, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And I think the reason that was so high, mate, is because people went to go see it a second time to make sure it wasn't a joke. <laughs> just, what was that? I'll tell you what the kids want. Trade Federation Wars. <laughs> And Mate, a blockade. Kids fucking love blockades. <laughs> you can't get them off. So we're already settled that year. So what you're thinking is there weren't a lot of great films there. However, when we talk about it, we're just going to talk about it was a kind of different year. So one thing I noticed, I did investigate this, The Smile Shag Me at number 10. It's a lot for a comedy to take. However, it did come out in January or at the early part of the year. Hence why it was able to take more money than, say, American View that came out towards the end of the year. So that's why, that's that's how that's how the world works. That's how box office works. <laughs> that's, that, leave over, get off me. Spy Shag Me probably had a much wider... Um, Appeal appeal and was probably more readily available in cinemas, particularly particularly on the international markets. Mm. I've got to admit, I actually really did like the film. I thought it was, I, at the time, I thought it was one of the funniest films I'd well, ever it, seen. But then had, again, I was like, you asked 12. Yeah, so. it had a lot of um, cameos in the opening sequence, mm. didn't it? We, was that the third one? No, that's, that's where I get confused. Oh. Redacted was in one of them. I'm sure that was the third one. Oh, yes, was it's the third one because John Travolta shows up as Goldman at the third, the third one. I thought the second one though had like Tom Cruise at the beginning. And Steven no, that's Spielberg. that's all the third one. Is that Goldman? That's Goldman. Oh, right, yeah, because okay. Danny DeVito was playing Minimo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. And Redacted's playing Doctor Evil. Oh of course, because the second one takes off pretty much after the first. Yeah, right, we're digressing. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Early is a robot. Oh my, I haven't seen the film for so long, but I remember mm. all of that. Definitely um, not her best performance, which was in uh, Bedazzled. Bedazzled. Yeah, you won't let that go, will you? No, let's start. <laughs> let's start as all years do. In January, In Dreams <laughs> was a film starring Annette Benning and Robert Downey Jr. Have you seen this film? I have seen this film. I yeah. really like this film. I think this film it genuinely is one of the, it's up there with. Um, Halle Berry did one. Gothic, Gothic yeah? Yeah, yeah. But films like, well, I think, all right. Films with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> films where Robert Downey Jr. is a crew <laughs> before he was Iron Man. But this is really good. Her daughter, unfortunately, passed away, but she could start seeing through the eyes of her daughter's kid, Robert Downey Jr. He gives a very good haunting performance, but I always remember when I was researching this film, I was like, oh, Ian Gillen was in this film. It's like, it was the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> he had a career. Um, all right, film? Yeah, it was all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Don't get me wrong. I haven't thought about it for years until <laughs> you've literally just mentioned it. <laughs> right, so... I know a film that is constantly on your mind. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Donald Sutherland, and one of the weaker Baldwins, William. <laughs> one of the less powerful Baldwins. <laughs> not, not the not queen. The queen. <laughs> Do you know what? I, every time I think of it now, I can just see, although, I just see the queen. <laughs> although, yeah, although that's obviously at the yeah, moment. That's, that's, um, that's a thing, yeah. A turbulent <laughs> conversation to be having. But, but let's, let's ignore that then. Eh? Talk, the about virus. The, talk about the virus. <laughs> Actually, I remember when this came out. I remember when the virus came out. It was a big court movie at the time because it was quite graphic. It was quite gory. And my understanding is an AI from space goes into a into a destroyer, which just is a salvage unit led by Donald Sutherland, who's a captain, show up on. Doesn't it turn Donald Sutherland into like a robot yeah. murderer? Fucking yeah, and, and I think film. pretty much Jamie Lee Curtis' his last one was standing by the end of the movie. But <laughs> it was like, like it wasn't it wasn't like Terminator where it kind of just absorbed Donald Sutherland. Like it didn't was, it look like the the robot from Battery's not included. <laughs> No, it didn't look like that. No, it was no, all no. it was all like skin on metal and gore. And oh, okay, <laughs> so uh, virus a weird movie. It, it is a cool film though. It's, it's one of those films that if it's on, mate, I'm fucking watching it. I will never I, buy it, I, but I, I will watch I'll it. I'll tell you what it is as well. It's a movie that you would not make anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This is a staple in the nineties. A lot of movies got um, through studios and, and on the screen that you think nowadays would virus wouldn't get made nowadays. They'd be like bullshit. <sighs> now I know a film that's very close to your heart. She's all that. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook, man. Let's, let's talk about properly. Uh, and Matthew Lillard. Um, it's the time when we're supposed to believe that Rachel Lee Cook is not like... Super hot. Super hot. And, and Freddie Prince Jr. would turn that down. <laughs> it's like, yeah. shut up. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah. There's Matthew Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. obviously reunited for Scooby-Doo. I'd like later. to point out that he they show up again in a film that I've listed as maybe the worst film I've ever seen. It, I've talked about it when it comes up, mate. Don't you worry. Where they, where they fight cats in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did give her a Rachel Lee Cook stage in, in around 99, James. I'm not going to lie. She's all that. So that's the bog standard. She's wearing glasses. She's not hot. Yeah. She needs to be hot. She needs to hot. Take her glasses off. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. is really stupid because now you wear glasses. Get hot. Weird, man. Anything else you want to say about she's all that? Um, a film close to heart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not as superior as Joseph and the Pussycats if we're going to talk about <laughs> Rachel Lee Cook's filmography. But yeah. I would like to point out as well for some reason I don't know why I've started every sentence with I'd like to point out but I do remember the movie poster which is essentially just two people stood more than I remember the film (laughs) (laughs) no maybe that's just me February starts strong with a film I know that you love Payback Mel Gibson yeah Payback (laughs) Payback I thought I thought thought that movie was good I thought it was like a, a a kind of rough and tough 
Um, it was a very different role. Payback movie. I think it was genuinely one of the first times I've seen where the good guy wasn't a good guy. Because he, he wants his, he only wants something like £47,000, doesn't he, back? Yeah, he doesn't want a penny more. He just, just wants what's owed to him. And the people he's up against, like the syndicate, they think he wants more. And every time he tells them what they want, it's like no one will go to this much effort for this oh, little it, money. lose a dominatrix, isn't it? Yeah, that, because she was in Alec Murillo, which yeah. was something that was around this time as well. Mm. So I always thought that was actually a pretty good film. Now, I don't know why I've written this down. Blast from the past. I think it's because I don't remember if I've seen it or not. Blast from the past, Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone. I don't remember. I, I think I, I have seen it. shit you not. Is this the one where he's in a bunker and he comes up? Blast from the past. So he's got a different generational thing and he falls in love with Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. So he, the reason why it's made on the list is because I'm sure by the stage, Brendan Fraser was quite clearly like a four-year-old man and Alicia Silverstone was still like 19. I, I, I genuinely also... Uh, Right, this is one of two movies, and genuinely these two are true. It's either the one where he comes up from a nuclear bunker, and he's called Adam, and, and Alicia Silverstone uh, is called Eve. I yeah. guarantee that is a real movie. Or it's the one where he gets with his cousin, and he doesn't know it's his cousin until halfway through the movie. Jesus Christ. And, but I think it's the first one. I, I actually don't think that is that one, because I'm sure that's the Kelvin, you know, the guy from American Pie. I'm sure that's his film. Oh, that's him. No, Brendan Fraser. They both had middle part in the 90s. They did. They it is, turns, mate. It, so it is. It's the one with Christopher Walken. Is, is there any more 90s haircut than a fucking Kearns? No. But David Beckham really cemented them. He, he did. I, actually, I did a pub quiz the other week where it was what year was the were the curtains at the peak of their fashion and it was 1998. So close. Yeah. <laughs> fucking losers. So Blast from the Past might be a really weird story or even a fucking weird story. I don't remember it. If you remember it. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. I did. I think I had this on DVD. Get remember. Get a laugh. Office Space, director Mike George, sorry, Ron Livingston and Jennifer Aniston, one of my favourite underrated films. I love uh, Mike George. He did the quite possibly generational defining film that's very underrated called Idiocracy, which mm. is fantastic. But Office Space is Ron Livingston gets hypnotised and then his hypnotist dies, spends the rest of the film not caring what anyone else thinks. He goes to his office, like blows it off. Jennifer Aniston is the uh, just a waitress who wants to do a job, but she's told that she doesn't care enough. He's like, why do I have to care? I'm a waitress. Uh, Ron like goes into it late. He's got... Uh, John C. McGinley, not John C. McGinley. Yeah, John yeah, Dodcox, yeah. yeah. So as a going, I love Office Space, very underrated films on Amazon. Just check it out. It's a cult movie. It's an indie cult movie. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a slice of me. It's up there with fanboys. Mm. It's a slice of me. Now, a film that my dad won't let me watch. 8mm with Nick Cage and Joaquin Phoenix and James Gandolfini. I haven't read that down, but James Gandolfini is it. Always important to mention that. Very dark movie. So, uh, investigating if a snuff movie is real or not. And then basically, yeah. We'll tell you now as well, we'll make this film nowadays. This is all film that I think is going to be remade, though. Yeah, and I it'll do, probably but, be last one, Trier. Oh, God. Yeah. That's a bit sad, isn't it? 8mm, <clears throat> though, was a was a good film. Nick Cage and Whacking Phoenix. Joel sure Schumacher. That's weird, It's on it? the back of uh, Batman and Robin and... Uh, and my idea. Anything and Batman, Batman, and, Batman and... Batman and... Forever, Batman and Forever. 8mm, yeah, Batman and Robin. <laughs> it's weird that there's the same amount of leather in all three films. <laughs> <laughs> right. March, it's time to offend The Sopranos with Analyze This with Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal. It, it, the Sopranos had launched something like three minutes before that and everyone thought Analyze This was a piss take off The Sopranos, which is weird. Do they not know how long it takes to make a fucking movie? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen. And it's got a sequel with Analyze That. Analyze That, which I've never seen. And wasn't Lisa Goodrow in these movies? Lisa Goodrow plays Billy Crystal's wife. Yeah. I don't know if she made it to the second one. Funny though, I like the idea of it being a comedy. Robert De Niro at this time, the nice was still quite incredible. Billy Crystal was good. Yeah, someone argued Billy Crystal's always been good, but I think also it's, well, it's at the right time to mock 
gangster movies mm. as well. And after, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I think one of the worst gangster movies comes up later this year. But it did also do really well to um, have Robert De Niro, you know, almost tongue-in-cheek. Playing like a pistol yeah. himself and what the roles that made him famous. And they work really well, actually. Crystal and, and De Niro work really well together. They do, but I, my problem is when I see Crystal working with anyone, I want him to be working with Danny DeVito in the film for Mama from the Train, which is still one of the best films ever. Or Robin Williams in Father's Day. Or Robin Williams in Father's I've not seen that. As a cameo from Mel Gibson at the end. I'm sure you have told me that before, though. He plays Scott the body piercer. Does he, does he pierce bodies? He is piercing, yeah. He has one, he has one line that they say, did, the, did, them, did them piercings hurt? And then Mel Gibson responds, not the ones in the face. <laughs> Honestly, I could have I could have wrote my dissertation on Mel Gibson's <laughs> film career before 2005, all right? Sometimes I think you've got cruel intentions, mate. Please. I hate Sarah Michelle Geller, Ryan Philippe, Rennie Witherspoon, and Selma Blair. What I love about this film is like take all Rennie, your Reese Witherspoon. What did I say, Rennie? Oh, it's all right. Reese I just can't read my own words. Um, what I love about this is to take all the upcoming actors and actresses and put them in a film that you know shit because <laughs> it's a terrible film. What's the most memorable thing about it is as as I was thirteen as I was watching this or fourteen, Sarah Michelle Geller makes up with Selma Blair. I could not tell you anything else about that film except for that I'm supposed to believe that Ryan Philippe is this charming man when he's a Cock. I ate Ryan. Uh, a bit unfortunate career path, is it? Because I think after well, last week I'm fairly certain we discussed him as like Jason Statham, like like blew past him well, on his course of nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean he was in movies like uh, I know what he did last summer, didn't he? It was again Freddie Prince Jr. If we're talking about actors that that are just Sarah Michelle Gellar, Michelle Gellar and no, took a shot in the dark. Hook, hook man. <laughs> Whoever that was. The other lady, Jennifer Love Hewitt, wasn't it? Oh, it was Jennifer Love Hewitt. See, they, yeah. there's, there's another crap film. <laughs> no, I, I know what you did last summer was all right. I still know what you did last summer was a bit of a bit of a fetch. No, my problem is I know what you did last summer. Is I don't get it because because he's haunting him going, I know what you did last summer, but he's the one that they, they knocked like, so they didn't do anything last summer. They, you didn't kill you. You, mm. you. You're still alive. Well, I think the thing is you left me for dead last summer. Yeah, but, he, dead but, 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 but because we've got to be on their side, the guy that they left on side was a serial killer, so we don't feel sorry for him. It, it, if the, Honestly, if this was me, it would be like, I know what you did last summer. Great. I don't know what I did last week. End. <laughs> that would, the film would have been 30 seconds long. Get over it. Move, move a dress. How are they going to find you? Cruel Intentions is... Shit, not a good movie. And and I have friends now that are like, oh, you know, had a soundtrack and... We did have a soundtrack. It was a good one, but it was 999. There was good music. But again, it goes back to that. I don't think you'd make that movie anymore. Like... This was a remake of the John Malkovich and... Is it Meryl Streep? I can't remember what that film was called. It's called Dangerous Liaisons. It's literally the same. They're two French aristocrats that are basically playing their own game. But because they set a court and because they're better actors, it makes more sense. I think if you make anything French, you can, you know... To boo it up a bit. <laughs> but because they're in the heartland of America, I don't care. Glenn Close and uh, Glenn Close. And Michelle Pfeiffer and John Markovich. But what I hate about this is is it's just a shit film, but people talk about it like it's a generation. It's like, oh, this is one of the films that shapes your generation. This film and another film that you'll never guess what comes up later, terrible films. Mm. So, I, I reckon we'd annoy a lot of people listening to this, but I, I, I stand by it. Conventions was not a good movie. It was a good movie. And it, now you rewatched it, it does not age well. It, you're watching it for one second. I think Reese Witherspoon comes out of it strong. And, I think Selma Blair does a good job of being annoying, but my Sarah Michelle Geller is supposed to be evil, but she's high on Buffy at the time. But you as teenagers be like, no, she's a cool guy. It's a shit film. And I remember, spoilers, the guy dies and then. He wins because in his suicide note or his death note, he he. Writes, suicide. He's hit by a taxi, James. Oh, okay. He well, he's left a note then. It's like Sarah Michelle Gellar keeps cocaine in the necklace. It's like, oh my god, mm. she got a comeuppance. Did she? Because there's a sequel. <laughs> I don't even know that, is there? No, yeah, there is. 
let's go the complete opposite. What says, what's, what's more opposite than a preppy school in America? What about the East End of London, mate, with lock, stock and two smoking barrels starring Vinnie Jones, Jason Statham and Sting? It's a weird sentence. <laughs> a former musician, a Welsh footballer. You're not a former musician, you're still going, mate. I apologise. I but do you know what? I like Dog Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. It's yeah, I do. Fun. Yeah. It's a fun story. It's not winning any Oscars. It's a great, it's a grimy film. Mm. It's got a thick layer of fucking grime. Yeah. And crime. <laughs> um, I liked it. I think it's very good. It's a knockout performance from Statham, who plays Soap. Yes. No, we don't think he plays Soap. Is that the other guy? It doesn't matter anyway. Right. Are you ready? Boys and girls, we've done 178 episodes. I'm just going to point out that the worst film of all time stars Freddie Prince Jr., Matthew Lillard. It's called Wing Commander. And you're on proc now, isn't it? And he has to be silent in space, despite the fact that that's not our space where space <laughs> sounds as fun in volume. Oh, have I not sold it for you? How about if there's some sort of racist war against these pilgrims and they don't accept that? But that means that Freddie Prince Jr., who is a pilgrim, can see space equations in his mind. Therefore, he's really good at maths and therefore is like an uncontrollable pirate. What, you still think this film is good? The bad guys are cats. <laughs> They've got the kill Raffi. You you skipped you skipped over the David Suchet's this movie. I forgot that David Suchet was this. There's a there's a lot of big names in this film. That is a it's based on T. Is it based on a video game starring? Uh, 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 stars Biff, <laughs> stars Biff Cannon, and stars uh, Mark Hamill. It's a very good series of computer games called the Wing Commander series. They're brilliant. This this film, mate, might be the worst film. It's got Saffron Burroughs in it. It's one of the worst films ever made. Please watch it. It's it's got I, Hugh Quirk. Uh, Quashir in it yep who he's later going to pop up in Phantom Menace who everyone watching it goes is that the guy from Casualty or Holby City or whatever that British drama was that he was in can I just say that this is a film we need to seek out because if we crown the best by that logic we have to crown the worst and I genuinely think Wing Commander might be the worst film ever made listeners get back in touch and if you've seen Wing Commander fuck you you've wasted like two hours of your life and what's really weird is every time this film is on I actually rewatch it so I've lost more <laughs> so Wing Commander how about a movie from 1999, mate, that would uh, basically explain the situation of reality TV for the next 20 years? Edge TV, starring a very lazy Matthew McConaughey. Um, General Hoffman and Woody Harrelson. Mm. Basically, he, he, he's going to get paid a lot of money for cameras to literally follow him around for an entire year and record every aspect of his life. It's all right. I remember Sam borrowed the DVD from me, and when I got it, it was scratched beyond all belief, and I never watched it. And in fact, I sent him a picture... No, I didn't send him a picture because I borrowed it years ago before camera friends. I had to explain to him that it wasn't me because I don't want to get blamed because I would fuck off. I wasn't buying another copy of Ed TV. Sam meeting someone that used to do the podcast with us. Yeah. It's a Ron Howard movie. Uh, no, it, I, I don't remember it, but I do remember someone explaining to me that everything about that film actually explains reality TV now. Okay. Yeah. I remember it. I remember the poster of the film more than the film itself. <sighs> what next? How about... Um, 10 Things I Hate About You, Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Retelling of Tame of the Shrew by William Shakespeare. However, I quite like the film that this film is associated with me. It starts off with Bare Naked Ladies. I love the Bare Naked Ladies. Mm. Julia Stiles, great form, she doesn't take no shit. And then I remember the sister, she was in Ali Mack, and I used to fancy her. There you go. Yeah, I used to watch the TV show on Nickelodeon. Yeah, you did? Yeah. There you go. 10 Things I Hate About You, anything? Uh, I enjoyed it. I liked Heath Ledger in it. I liked Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. I, I, I've I rewatched it probably in the last year or two when it was on TV. And he, I still enjoyed it. It was coming of age movie for me, you know, obviously in 99. Um, I think I went to cinema to watch this as well. And it was, in round school, it was a big talking point. It was a big talking yeah. point. It was cool. Mm. It was cool to be in school. Yeah. And Heath Ledger was the, you know, the rock and roll kind of badass in it. It wasn't really that bad. 
bad badasses in like you know in Greece when they're a gang, but yeah. they're not really a gang. Yeah, I've got real problems with this with the film Greece. Because when you watch uh, it, mate, I've got loads of problems with Greece. Because when you watch it, it's like, did she put up a fight? It's like, okay, am I? Is this a song or a court testament? What is going on in this film? Also, it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's like, and I love the message of that film is is men don't change, but you change that. It's like, oh, you're happy in school. No, wear a leather coat and smoke. And getting this flying car. Getting this flying car. Is that ever explained? No. Chris Lightning, mate. Well, here's a film that went on to cause a controversial. Film 999, though, it was simple. Lawrence Fishburne, Hugo Weaving, Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss. It was The Matrix. Mm. Film that we've covered in great details a few episodes back. You talked about it last week with the latest episode. It's not, it's not good. It's great. The Matrix still holds up. I watched it not that long ago for this podcast. And if we're going to just quickly talk about it, it's a fantastic film. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's, Probably the biggest movie out of uh, out of the ninety nine for me. The go to if anyone says no movie from ninety nine, it's, it's always going to be the Matrix. It's is I, I would say it's a, the first of a genre defining film. Yeah, and it holds up. That first movie still holds up as a standalone. Like the Green Hue that we talked about last week that was missing from this one. I like the like the the alternate the alternative the alternative like kind of culture at the time that was on the fringes now. You know, just on the outside, you know, the forgotten wearing leather. <laughs> In dank, dark places. A lot of leather in PVC. A lot of leather in PVC. And a new metal soundtrack that, that is just such a gateway into the early 2000s. Well, what's, what's the opposite of Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss? I would say it's Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn in the film The Out of Towners. I don't know if I've seen that. I, it's, a, it's a good, it's a safe comedy. It's Steve Martin being okay. This was <clears throat> when he's still in films and he was still kind of funny. It's all right. You know, strangers to a new place. That's the humour. There you go. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've seen it. It doesn't matter. What, what about, we're going back to that teenage thing, and I do remember this film, and I don't know why. Never been kissed with Drew Barrymore and David Arquette. You know what the problem is right now? Is we talked about this being a great year, and to be honest, <laughs> it's not been the best year right now. But Never Been Kissed, um, it's a film. It's David Arquette when he had a career. Drew Barrymore when she was very good. David Arquette's on his way back. Scream 4 or 5 or whatever it is, this, he's on his this, way. This will be Scream 5. Is well, he there you go. Though? Yeah, he's in the how, trailer. How many times can he die and still be in films? Let's talk about a great film. Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence, Bernie Mac, Life. Great film. They're not friends when they start. And what I really like about this is they grew to be friends in, in like Plantation Jail. Absolutely fantastic. I'm obviously a huge African-American cast. That celebrates life. You follow these people through the penal system, you know, as they get to an old age, these plans. That, do you know what? When you say that Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's career has gone off a track, and Martin Lawrence is, has always been like the fodder to someone else. This film where they get to shine, I love life. I think life is a brilliant film. Great, mm. uh, Cedric the Entertainer, Bernie Mac, great casting in this point. Ross, a great film. I love life. I do. I do. I, I, I always remember last year, someone put a status up, um, favourite Martin Lawrence movie, and I put life in the comments. Mm. And I remember like, two or three people writing underneath it, ew, like, ew. I'm like, fuck off, I thought life was a good movie. I like life. Maybe. Maybe there's something that I missed that I need to rewatch this, maybe culturally irrelevant now, I don't Mm. know. But there's something, I remember watching it laughing. Um, And I I, I love Bernie Mac. I love Bernie Mac. It's a shame, isn't it? It's one of those taken from us for too, taken from us too young. Mm. (sighs) Right, well, let's have an election with Matthew Broderick and Reese Weatherspoon. This was an alright film, as I recall. And I really hate Matthew Broderick. It's about a high school election for like senior what's it class president <clears throat> Reese Weatherspoon is like the big go-getter she's too she's too passionate and Matthew Broderick plays the uh, politics teacher that that hates that it's like he wants to quiet laugh so he uh, 
<laughs> basically frauds an election. And what's really weird is several years later, they turn that into a real life event. <laughs> Sorry. Now, here's a film that you could quite clearly tell was a bit shit because the amount of false endings in this, Existence with Jennifer Jason Lee and Jude Law. With a Z in the title. Yeah, it's, so this is weird. It's set up, have you seen this film? Yeah, yeah. So this is it's set in a VR world, within a VR world, within a VR world, within a VR world. And the first VR world is, is they're not machines. They're kind of like creatures that you have to put in your mouth and like they're weird and diseased and there's some sort of terrorist event. They're trying to kill people because they worship VO, not real life. It's weird. William Defoe's in it for about 30 seconds. He's in it right at the beginning and right at the end. Mm. It's, it's a weird film, but I actually haven't been a while since I've seen it. I've, I've seen it a few times on like streaming services and stuff and never been interested in watching it. Yeah. As I, I think at one time he makes a gun out of fish bones and that's actually really cool. I mm. really do like that bit. Now, this is a film that... This is a film that is 99.9 all over it, mate. Catherine Zeta Jones, Sean Connery. I actually fucking loved this film when I first saw it, but I haven't seen it in so long. Entrapment. Entrapment. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, Catherine Zeta Jones was kind of on the up and up. Yeah, she was. You know, and, and I, you know, the girl from Wales. Yep. You know, that episode sharp. Yep. <laughs> she, she, she knows how to scoop peas. <laughs> I always remember, that, need, scene. Mate. I always remember <laughs> that, that scene where she's like, who taught you how to do that? Sharp taught me. Like, Hold on. So you, you, that time you met Sharp, he taught you how to eat peas. Yeah. <laughs> how the <laughs> fuck was you eating them before? <laughs> shoveling them, mate. She was shoveling them into her face. And then uh, which from Dollar Woods of May as well. And so so I'm, kinda, just, I'm just getting over the fact that that's, how do, how do you know what you've been? Snorting, mate. <laughs> so, okay, so, I'm fucking shoveling on my ass. Yeah. I mean, just put it on my belly button and hope for the best. <laughs> But they never talk about Sharp's talents other than killing the French. Yeah, they do. He's he's like, he does know how to eat a piece. Do, do you remember that scene where, where he doesn't have trouble with the piece? Yeah. <laughs> no character development. Honestly. Or entrapment. entrapment I, I remember the like the sexy cell of Catherine Zeta-Jones in the catsuit. In the scene where they're trying to avoid lasers. Lasers, yeah. yeah. And it was, you <laughs> know, it was 999, mate, because there was lasers that's everywhere. That's it. And you got Sean Connery kind of post The Rock. Yeah. You know, still kind of the handsome gent. But again, it was approaching at the time Sean Connery was like, what, when's the movie too far? Mm. I mean, we got that. <laughs> <laughs> we got it eventually. <laughs> yeah, we got a few, didn't we? Ving Rhymes, though? Ving Rhymes, yeah. yeah. He, oh, that's the saddest. He's the one I miss the most, I think. I always loved a bit of Ving Rhymes in my thing. Like when he shows up in an impossible, a Mission Impossible film, he's never in it long enough. I need more. Oh, right, May. This is a big time, May. I should say, you're talking about Ving Rhymes like he's dead. <laughs> he's still alive. We just can't. It's just his career that's dead. Yeah, I do I do remember in the last Mission Impossible, like he doesn't move. Like, yeah. There's a lot of scenes where, where, where they're like, well, we've got to go. We've got to like, everyone know the plan? Oh, everyone just, know what they're I'll doing? Just, I'll just stay here. Like, everyone runs off and Ving Rhymes just, He's still there. <laughs> everyone's got, you know, everyone's got to be like in one point, mate. Right, mate, it's going to be a big time. Rachel Weisz, John Hanna. Oh my God, it's only Brendan Fraser. In The Mummy, which I still maintain is one of the funnest films of all time. Yeah. It's Indiana Jones with more fun. It's like PG flavor. Like if you like your Indiana Jones with less child slavery, The Mummy. Yeah. If you like it with less Nazis, The Mummy. We will do an episode this year on The Mummy. Yeah. And we will obviously talk about Scorpion King and the multiple spinoffs that I've enjoyed. But The Mummy, the highest praise you can give a movie, and this is that, is years down the line, you use it as a example. You're like, yeah, it's kind of like the mummy. Mm. You know, it becomes almost like the staple. 
that you hold it against. You know, it's kind of like Indiana Jones. It's kind of like The Mummy. It's kind of like The Matrix. You know, it's the go-to benchmark movie. Joy, you know if we were crowning a film, if we were giving like little awards, which maybe we should do next time, we'll, we'll pick like the funnest film. This is the funnest film. It's a fun it's, movie. It's a fun movie. You it, the horror in it is perfect for a child. Uh-huh. Absolutely perfect. You know nothing's going to happen, but as a child, it might just be different, but you don't care. And it changed uh, filmmaking because Brendan Fraser actually nearly died in the hanging scene. So the safety on set. I have heard that, then, yeah. Then went, yeah, went up because of this. So and the I've, scenes when he looks like he's being choked. He's he been is choked, actually yeah. being choked. Um, next came a, a Midsummer's Night's Dream, which I didn't see, but I know it was big at the time. Kevin Klein, Michelle Pfeiffer, Rupert Everett, and Stanley Tucci. Mm. I, don't, I don't think I saw this film, but I remember it being a big deal. But then... May, the number one film of the year, obviously. It was coming back, finally. It was giving us a sequel to the film that we all demanded. May, of course, gave birth to The Brave Little Toaster to the rescue. The sequel <laughs> to The Brave Little Toaster, mate. I mean, do you remember the anticipation of going to the cinema for this, mate? I remember Brave Little Toaster, mate, was the film for me. The was. sequel, it was a real letdown. It was a real sellout. And then I think The Brave Little Toaster goes to space or whatever it was. It just <laughs> blown out of proportion. It, it had to go to space. Though. That I, was a natural conclusion for The Little Toaster. <laughs> I needed to. I'm I'm an original. You know, I, I like... I like uh, you just like the original, mate. The, too much CGI. The story was weird. Lost why itself. Did, why did they bring in all these rules and regulations in it? Honestly, I can't believe not more people have seen The Brave Little Toaster. I, I can't... I imagine less people have seen The Little Brave Little to the rescue. Because what the fuck was in danger that a toaster had to rescue it? That's true. And also, if you if, if you want anything coming to your rescue, if you're yeah. in like a Liam Neeson movie and you've been taken and you're like, oh, fucking, I really hope Liam Neeson comes through that door and he said it was a toaster, you'd be like, oh, shit, I'm dead. <laughs> so you'd just be like, hey, what's, what's happened here? Can you do me a bagel before I go? <laughs> no, I'm not plugged in. Right, I needed to ask you this. Can it move? Because I haven't seen it. You have, and, you made Sam, and Sam's watched it. But can it move without being plugged in? Yeah, yeah. So what's the point of being plugged in? <laughs> So I never to make the toast. Right. So you can't make toast on its own. I don't think so. But it can move and it can talk. Uh, what else came out that year? Uh, Star Wars Episode One: The ne- Phantom Menace? Never heard of it. I was going to say, I imagine the cues, mate, for the brave little toaster to the rescue. Um, I stand by Phantom Menace. I oh, like you're, it. You're so, I, I, I think I saw this one twice because the second time I went back, I was like, I do not understand what the fuck Oh, no, fuck I, did, I didn't understand it until I was an adult. And when I was a kid in 99, when I went to watch it, you know, and... Um, you just, do you think this film was ever going to be good, though? The amount of hype that people... It was like George Lucas is coming back to do Star Wars. I remember like, something like three years before this, I'd gone to the cinema one day, every day for a week and watched his remastered, the original trilogy. It was adding all these things in. And that's when I, that's when the alarm bell should have been ringing because he added that terrible scene in the first one where Han Solo meets Jabba the Hawk, which never should have happened. It was shit serious. Yeah, shit and Greedo, they added the bullet with Greedo. And the bullet with Greedo. So I remember this was the first one. And then he got his tentacles into, fucking George Lewis got his tentacles into it later after these films came out and he added more stuff. It's like, he's the worst person at re-editing his own films. And I just think that alarm bells should have been ringing a lot sooner than they were because we were hyped and I was hyped. I think the big one, if you're going to go down that route, I can handle the Jabba the Hutt scene. I can handle the Greedo scene. I don't get caught up on who shot first. I, I, in I, I, like definitely, I definitely think after he did his prequel trilogy, when he remastered the remasters to add More Hayden Christensen's uh, Darth yeah. Vader of ghost, uh, force ghost at the end. It's like, okay, yeah, Darth Vader did at the end defect and kill the emperor or at least throw him down a pit. But let's remember, he also killed a shitload of younglings. He killed a lot of For some reason, he's now on the good side. Yeah. Because one emperor 
meat equals 60 children that you've just sliced up. Well, that's, that's the, that's the well, exchange rate. Well, yeah. This is the thing. Now it's in Disney's hands. And now that we know Hayden Christensen is going to be in <gasps> Obi-Wan series and the Ahsoka series. This is weird, isn't it? Are they going to undo that scene and actually do a flashback where he doesn't kill the younglings, he leaves and someone else comes in. Thus, because you cannot have him doesn't matter what he does at the end of Return of the Jedi. Doesn't matter if he does throw the Emperor and you know down the pit. Just you ain't becoming a Force Ghost at the end of that movie and standing next to rubbing shoulders with Yoda and bloody Obi Wan, are you? Unless unless you give a lot of money to Shari just before you die. <laughs> just like just like he's thrown, he's throws him down and then he's dying. He's like shit. Transfer the credits. Um, no, a massive letdown. I think the coolest thing about it, seeing the trailer. Probably ruined it for me is the double lightsaber. Well, the trailer showed that. I was like, oh, I should have seen that. You need, need to get it in there, didn't you? Yeah, I guess. I, I think also, listen, Dave Fellini, who's the kind of now one of the creative minds behind it after Clone Wars, which is fan loved and became canon. Oh, the TV series. Not yeah, the, the, film, yeah. The, the TV series, sorry, the animated series. Listen, Dave Fellini, talk about. Um, Jewel of the Fates which was obviously the, the score but also which, the is, which is probably the which best is, music so he listened to him describe it and basically talking about at the end fight scene it, it, the fight between Obi uh, between Gwygon and Maul is it's called the Jewel of the Fates because Gwygon knows if he loses he will not raise Anakin to be the one the chosen one uh-huh. and instead he'll fall to the dark side and because he's the only one in the in the, the, uh, the yeah, and Dude, he has to convert, uh, convince the council because you and McGregor doesn't believe, does he? Because in the end, he does it out of loyalty to Qui Gon Jinn. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So, I thought of that. So the duel of the fates boils down mm-hmm. to that last fight scene. But the problem is when someone has to explain that to you twenty years well, after you've seen the movie. Well, the literal the literal point I was going to say to you, it's weird that the explanation for the song makes more sense than the entire fucking film. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, all the blockade and you know all that kind of stuff at the beginning. It's, I was like, this is it's still it's, boring. It's because it's it's because it's so out of left field. It, but what what I don't say is in the sequel, which is and I'll die on itself. The Clone Wars is worse than the Phantom Menace. Clone oh, Wars yeah. is the worst. Clone Wars is the worst. I won't won't deny that. And then Revenge no, of the Sith. No, I know you talk about TV series, but but I thought Revenge of the Sith does nothing for me because they literally like there's no story. Just have a fucking lightsaber fight every twenty well, seconds. They have to they have to bridge the gap, don't they? But yeah. for me, Phantom Menace, there are still scenes that I like going to. The pod racing scene it does no, take you out, takes you out of the movie. You shouldn't put that where it is. But going to the different planets, introducing Naboo, Queen Amidala, all that kind of stuff. I really like. I think. Is Naboo it, is a planet that if you revisited now in the Star Wars universe, I'd be like, cool, I like this place. Even the Gungans, mate, I'm not that bothered about. I think they make a mistake having Darth Vader or Anakin. Sorry, I'm going to sneeze. I think they make a huge mistake bringing him in as a child because Natalie Portman doesn't age and it makes Hadrian Christensen in the next two films like a fucking weirdo. Yeah, but he's let's the be biggest honest, mistake. he got out of the friend zone. He, he, he did because he's on like sand. Well, Which again, isn't this one's fault? Anyway, the point I'm making is I hate Star Wars Episode 1 when it came out, but weirdly, of the three, I think it is the strongest it because the, because the third one does has no stories as lightsaber, and the second one, mate, I think I fell asleep in the cinema watching. The second one, I have gone back to no end of times trying to find something to like. And I, this coming from a Star Wars fanatic. When when you have these three, this is the one I've watched the most because it has got the most redeeming qualities. I, yeah. I know people say the third one, but the third one, I hate it because there's no storyline. The only decent thing about it is that epic fight scene at the end, which, mm. to be honest, goes on for too long. It was the longest recorded fight scene, I think, in cinema at the time. Now, how are you going to end May? Let's have a light-eyed comedy about Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. In a, I quite like Notting Hill. I think it's charming. I think I it's, like it's, it's Richard Curtis at his best. It's not London, let's be honest. If you're not listening from the UK, yeah, like, don't let a Richard Curtis movie kind of convince you that that's what London's like. Because there's about an inch of piss on the floor <laughs> and you're going to get fucking stabbed. Yeah. So... Yeah, because what you know, and also, and also, I, ne- I hate this. He's a struggling. He's a struggling. He owns a struggling bookshop, but they own sell fucking fiction. They sell travel books. 
What? Yeah, he, but he's still a fourth out. He, Shut up. And his and his roommate doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. And they live in Notting Hill. He's fucking bullshit, isn't it? Yeah. But does give. I really like some of the. Uh, I do like the chemistry, and I think that's his wheelhouse. I like Hugh Grant. I like Hugh Grant when he tries different things. But do you know what? This is a lesser. I four words in the final still for me. There is something charming though about a British movie with an American import. Yes, and she that does works play very well. She does play very American. And, and, and do you know what? Weirdly, that story would work now more when people care about relationships and celebrities. Mm. It would make more sense, you know, the culture that we live in. You could remake that film and have it. Now, June, Austin Powers, the spy show, we talked about it, did do some cool things, Fat Bastard, Mini-Me. As I recall, <laughs> the series comes, the things that it added, it was actually very good at the time. I don't think it will age well. I don't want to watch it because I know it's, it's just like, <sighs> Fat Bastard is, is he makes jokes about his poo. <sighs> Seth Green playing a do moody you- teenager. I, I, I don't want to go back and watch them because I quite like liking them. Does that make sense? Do you, do you, the memory of them is better than the realization yeah. of that actually they're not that good. Yeah. Do you think we are out of a stage now in cinema and movies where you do an that. actor can do multiple characters like Eddie Murphy, like Mike Myers? Yeah, I think so. It's I, hard I, I, now I think to think of who would come in and do it good I, without was, it being a parody to. That's what I was going to say. I think if you had the right idea, I can't think of who that idea would be. But it, what I really love about Austin Powers, or where I disagree with the Austin Powers series, is Wayne's World is a better series. Yeah. You know, of them, I prefer Wayne's World because Wayne's World is a celebration of 80s anarchy, like yeah. rock metal. But it, but it also, it is also those characters, like, because I, I grew up with, and I still do, like, love the, the metal, fresh mm. metal, basement, you know, garage band kind of uh, scene. And Wayne's World does capture that brilliantly. Really, really. And, it, and Wayne's World is still funny, actually. I, I, I love Wayne's World. I, the fourth wall breaks when they talk about sponsors in the first one is still one of the funniest. It's yeah. like, we won't bow down to pressure, not this generation, show a Pepsi. It's like, well, this conversation is giving me a headache. And it goes back and white. It goes, try one of these. And it's, <laughs> I fucking, mate, that's still funny. Um, Tarzan, Mini Driver, and Tony Gordon. I didn't know this was one of most, uh, Disney's most successful films. I, I haven't seen, so mm. I didn't think it was that good. If I haven't seen it, I assume they're crap. <laughs> I did like Tarzan, but it's a story that never evolves. And when you've seen any incarnation of you've it, seen whether it. you've seen the Christopher Lambert bloody version, you know what you're getting for, you know, give me Brendan Fraser, mate. Yeah. You know, uh, George of the Jungle. I tried to point out one of his films was the one where he plays a stupid man. He was on this list, but I was like, no one else has seen this, so I won't put it on the list. Next film, uh, I don't think a lot of people have seen this, The General's Daughter. It's John Travolta in a really good role with Madeline Stowe and James Cromwell. She's murdered and she's the General's Daughter and... Uh, John Schroeder is the murder investigator that has to come and basically look out for her, do the investigation. It's actually a very good film. Unfortunately, warning, it does star James Woods. <laughs> so, oh, that, all films should come with a warning if it stars James Woods. <laughs> but it, very good film. I really did like it. It's when John Travolta gave a good performance. You know, that and the face-off, and that's it. Uh, it's not the one with Samuel L. Jackson, I think it's called Instance or Basic. Basic? Bounce? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you're talking about the boy one. I haven't seen it. I was talking Paris with Love was the one I was going to come back with. That's sure. a good performance. He's a good film. He's a good performance is what I should say. Yeah. He do remember the actor that he's in there who went on to play Henry VIII in the Jews. He was supposed to be the next big thing and I've never seen him in anything Jonathan Reese Millers? Yeah. No, no, that's, no sorry, that's... I'm thinking Johnny Lee Millers. It's Jonathan Reese Davis, I think. Yeah, possibly. Or was, that, or was he in <laughs> Was he in Indiana Jones? Fuck it, I get my names all mixed up this week. I'm tired and I've only had one Dr. Pepper. Um... Now, a German film called Run, Lola, Jun with Franco Patton. Uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers, I was right. John Rice. Uh, did you ever see Run, Lola, Run? She yeah, got yeah, like I did. Four yeah, minutes. Yeah. I'd love this because I think this might have been my first introduction to foreign cinema. I, yeah. saw this in a, I saw this in German class. I'm sure this is an 18. She's basically got four minutes to save her, a, I believe, a drug dealer's a droid, a boyfriend who's a drug dealer's life. It's been ages since I've seen it. 
But that was a great film. This was an absolutely fantastic film, which I saw in school at an age I definitely shouldn't have done. But uh, I also tricked our English teacher into letting me show Event Horizon when we were all like 14. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Big Daddy, Adam Sandler. If you're an Adam Sandler fan, I imagine this is top tier is of a, the golden age of Sandler, I guess. This is the one where he has to raise a kid, but it's not actually his kid. Yeah. This is why I don't understand. Because he can't be, because Adam Sandler doesn't want to play a deadbeat dad. So he plays like the surrogate father. Well, I don't get I can't remember why he's doing this. Scuba Pete's in it. It's it, it, There are some bits in it that... I can tell you what else is in it and not even seen that film about Rob Schneider. Yeah, yeah, Scuba <laughs> Pete. Um, yeah, there, there, I think there is a bit where he has a, he's trying to teach spelling to the kid and he's better than Rob Schneider in it. Fair enough. But they, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not the, like I suppose the offensive, uh, the, the offensive kind of, Little Nicky, Billy Madsen, like any time, any time Adam Sandler has to play anyone who's who's got any anywhere on the spectrum, he just speaks out the side of his mouth yeah. with a weird accent. God, it's fucking horrible, isn't it? Yeah. Hubie Halloween, I read this, is not apparently considered his worst film. I like horseshit, because what beats that? Hubie Halloween is the worst film. Well, that, that also dictates that someone must have seen all of his films, which I don't think there is anyone. <laughs> now, you want to talk about funny doing right. <clears throat> I cried at the cinema, mate. I absolutely cried at cinema when I saw South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut. Fucking tears. I don't think I went because I wouldn't have been 15. No, actually, I just realised I didn't go to the cinema. What happened was I went because I was at university. I went to go see Team America World Police and then we came back and I'd never seen South Park, Long, Bigger and I watched it. So I watched, in the same night, I watched mm. Team America and Bigger, Louder and Uncut. What a fantastic, I hate, for the record, I hate South Park. I don't think it's funny. That's not true. My base, my very limited understandings I haven't watched them I don't think they're funny on what I've seen however the film South Park Bigger Longer and Uncut was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen there was tears pissing out of my eyes with laughter the songs that you would not right now Uncle Fucker the idea of Saddam Hussein who was still alive at the time but then did die having sex with the devil <laughs> it's a weird film a film about two Canadians corrupting people it's kind of meta breaking the fourth wall these characters I don't care you know Carmen Ferguson gets electricity put inside him, so every time he swears, he can't do it. Just the idea, the song about, the teacher sings a song about not not swearing, hilarious. And I didn't know any of the characters because I I wasn't a South Park fan, but Big Aloud on Court, wow, what a film. I genuinely did like it. I'll never watch it again. Yeah. It, it, because I don't think it lays that well. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, was, I didn't grow up with South Park. No, no, <clears> but I did like the film. Now, how can you end June? with well, It's got a lot of decent films in it. Well, you remember The Matrix that we talked about earlier? Right, if you turn down The Matrix, that means that the film you're making must be even better than a genre-defying film like The Matrix. Oh, yeah. So you've got to have Will Smith in it. You've got to have Kevin Klein in it. Ooh, if you think about it, this was his downfall, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was not promoting good films. But what about up-and-coming director Kenneth Branagh? <laughs> wild, Wild West. Jim West. Jim there's, there's a part of me... There are some people that... Will Smith's gone on to bigger, better, and obviously this isn't this isn't the jewel in Will Smith's career. Oh, is it? But there is something about me. Every time I see Kenneth Branagh, I go, "Yeah, he's in my worst one." And he, he, and Chris Klein, to be fair, uh, Kevin Klein, sorry, who I it. just recently watched in Beauty and the Beast twice. Um, <laughs> there was a point where I very much was taken out of the movie because I was like, "Fishful Wonder," and then uh, <laughs> Wild, Wild West. Yeah, cracking song though. Not the best moment. Did you know if he was he, he'd sing it? Because mm. he knows the words to it. July. Summer of Sound with John Lezegamo and Miria Savinia. Uh, about the serial killer. I, I do remember liking it. 
Bond. I've not. I didn't realize he was in it. Yeah, yeah. He's the, the isn't he the Brit, the fake Brit, the one who's like oh. really into British music at the time. So that was like, as I recall, it was a good film. No. I, I like. Yeah, I liked. Um, I, I like the summer time actually, and and I, I was also a big fan of Mira Sorvino as well. Mm. Like, I think was it Replacement Killers? I think so. Very much uh, enjoyed that movie. Hey, now your generation, mate. This is your generational film. Jason Briggs, Chris Klein, Tara Reid. They put their penis in pies or they come too early on a live stream in front of all their friends. It's such a... In front of Blink-Way too. It's such a horseshit... Are you kidding? Is yeah. that... Oh, mate, that made me even what hate the film. What are the videos watching? Is, what are the people watching? Is the Blink-Way yeah. <sighs> For some reason, they've got a monkey on their shoulder, which is really weird. I hate that film slightly more. Yeah. It's a terrible, it's a shit film. It's all about, and what I hate about this, and this might be my Britishism coming through, why is everything about prom? I had a shit prom. I think I got, in my second prom at, at in secondary school, I got wasted. I didn't go, And I had a go at the uh, head. So you're a cock. I didn't even go, man. I didn't even go to my graduation. No, I, I didn't go to my graduation. You went to a bar and I went to the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, I, 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 I go back to, I sum up American Pie every time we talk about it, is that, the generations after us got perks of being a wallflower. We got American Pie. We were given a hard deal. Yeah, we were shafted. Now let's talk about a film that shafted like a pie. <laughs> that poor pie. I've never come out of a cinema feeling bad for a pie. Mm. Um, this, if you have not seen this film, this is one that I would recommend you do see. It's called Arlington Road. Jeff Bridges, Tom uh, Robbins, and Joan Cusack. Tim Robbins. Yeah, sorry, Tim Robbins. Great film about basically you don't know your neighbours. It's mm. a fantastic film. It's, it came off like the paranoia about Waco and stuff like that. It's an absolutely cracking film. Fantastic, phenomenal. Makes you think, great film. Not a lot of people have seen it. I like that movie. Um, the Blair Witch Project. Uh, you know what? This is a strong month. The Blair Witch Project defined a different generation. It, granted, it led to the birthplace of a lot of terrible films, but a great horror. Made me afraid to go out into woods. And odd that it came out in July. Yeah. But also, also all made up and stuff like that. Cool movie as well. I remember Coming when that on. came out. You yeah. know, I was at that age where at school it gets rumoured around. It's like, have you seen this movie? It's, it's, like, it's fucking hidden. Like, yeah, uh, found footage movie. It was, yeah. Yeah, I, I love it, which I still stand by. I don't think it ages well. I think now you watch it to a modern audience now, a younger audience. I didn't audience. watch it not that long ago. I thought it was okay. What? No, but an audience now that is like, oh, I suppose more yeah. acclimatised to blood, violence and gore. I've, I've got one for you. I've got one for you. Um, when you look now back as an adult and you remember thinking as a kid you thought it was really just like that's what they do with films from crime from crime scenes they put them out in giant cinemas <laughs> for you to watch Eyes Wide Shot with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman let down for me thought it was crap yeah I really didn't have good fears and then also apparently they thought it was crap because I'm fairly certain they spilled a not long after this film yeah and also knowing it's a Kubrick movie you just nah. yeah um, now, Lake Placid is a phenomenal film where Bill Pullman, is, he's done with aliens for a bit, so he tracks down a giant crocodile. Yeah, and do you know what really makes me upset? Is last week we talked about Jason Statham didn't talk about the Meg at all well, we, in that whole episode. Oh, that's true. And I know that was a, a megalodon, but um, I remember when we talked, going back to like early days of this, of this podcast, we talked about the Meg on like episode seven or something. Mm. And for a good year, we had someone on Twitter just sending me shark facts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think listen to the is show, it, but just kept telling me about prehistoric sharks. Is it was it, it was it back when not only did we care more, but so did the fans. <laughs> <laughs> right. Drop Dead Gorgeous, Kirsty Allen and Kirsty does. I saw this film when I was this age. I don't remember liking it, but that's because I didn't realise it was a mockumentary at the time. I can't remember that one. No. I mean Kirsten done so at the time, you know, obviously just about to break out with Spider Man, but Well, I've got something for you as well that's gonna compliment. Do you know who makes their cinema debut in this film? Amy Adams. Oh. Um, the haunting. Now this was this was big time. I remember this. So Liam Nielsen, uh, 
Catherine Zeta-Jones, Lily Tyler, and Owen Wilson. Because this was the first horror movie that we were supposed to be seeing CGI in. Mm. Do you remember they made a big deal about it? It was it wasn't it wasn't so much don't go see it for the storyline and the acting, go see for it with the future of CGI. And wow, was that shit. Catherine Zeta-Jones had a year though, didn't she? She did have a year. Entrapment, this. Learning to eat peas. She had it all, mate. Going from one movie, working with, you know, just absolute stone, and then... Uh, <laughs> do it. Do the joke. <laughs> and then being in the haunting. <laughs> no, but I, I do remember this. This is what's interesting is it, it recently came out on Netflix. Fuck and off, And Netflix, you know, if you hover over it, it shows you a little bit of the movie. Yeah. It shows you, and spoilers, but it shows you the Owen Wilson death scene in it. Were you like, of all the scenes you could have shows, you know, like... So, so this is a remake as well. And it's, it's the remake's better without any CGI because it's all implied horror. Whereas in this one, it's quite clear horror. My favourite scene in it though is Liam Neeson doesn't believe Lil Tyler, sends her away. Mm. And then he's walking past a bath where a statue's having a bath and it just pulls him in and then lets him go. It's like, oh, you mischievous statue. <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting that Jedi wet. Oh, you bugger. <laughs> it's, it's a shit. Uh, only to be bested by Inspector Gadget, Matthew Broderick and Rupert Everest in a terrible film. Oh, talk about getting my Jedi wet. <laughs> Get out. I hate this movie. Which one? Deep Blue Space? Inspector Gadget. Oh, Inspector Gadget, sorry. Yeah. It's uh, a terrible film. Yeah. It's, it's an absolute shit film. And you know what? The, the uh, cartoon series was probably the best cartoon series. It was yeah. brilliant. It was an insult to my childhood uh, <laughs> memories of that. I, I did like Inspector Gadget. It's I don't really like Matthew Broderick. I, I, I hate Matthew Broderick because obviously... I only like Rupert Everett as well when he's hunting down an orangutan in a hotel. <laughs> Which unfortunately doesn't do in this film. No. I love the fact that for years I always wondered what the guy who played the claw looked like. It turns out it's like Madonna's gay friend from that movie I saw once. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of hope as well. Someone listening to that just then just went, "Did he just make a Dunstan checks in joke?" <laughs> yes, I did. Like, I hope that's the level of listeners yeah. we have. Right, we're gonna catch it on now. Do you remember? Do you remember when you love Jaws and then someone nine 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 decided to try and give it some sort of storyline? Well, we'll give you Deep Blue Sea, where Saffron Burroughs, Tom Jane, LL Cool Jane, Samuel L. Jackson defeat sharks that for some reason were given Alzheimer medication, which turned them into swimming backwards killer sharks. Didn't we talk about Saffron Burroughs last week? With well, I'd like to point out that Saffron Burroughs is not a great actor, but also. She's in the worst film of all time, Wing Commander, which I mentioned earlier. Oh, it was Wing Commander. I thought it was a Jason oh. Statham movie. Oh, no, I'd like to point out that Saffron Burroughs as well, his character was originally supposed to survive this film, but test audiences hated her so much they demanded her death. It is a bit odd that she survives at the end. Tom Jane does a forward roll over a shark and saves the day. Mm. He No, she dies in it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because oh. you wouldn't... That's for, the, for, one of the things I would say. I mean, Samuel Jackson is now... It's cool that he dies after delivering... Let's not die. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 he's a bit on the nose. Let's not die. He dies. Oh. Yeah. yeah which is which is shocking because he's on, well, he's not on land, but he's definitely not in water when he gets pulled into the water and killed. But you do, you do think she's going to survive the movie. Um, yeah. Now, Runaway Bride, Julia Roberts and Richard Gere coming back. Is it wrong that I prefer Julia Roberts as a streetwalker? <laughs> a Disney princess, James. Disney That's princess. a Disney movie. Um, it's quite a forgettable film. Obviously, bringing them back after Pretty Woman. Now, hitting August, mate. Which was a 1990 hit that we talked about. Yeah. The Iron Giant. Vin Diesel, Jennifer Aniston, Henry Corey Jr. and Christopher McDonald in one of my favourite vocal performances. I only watched it recently, the end of last year. I love The Iron Giant. I'm a turnaround, mate. Mm. Uh, only to be bested by Mystery Men with Ben Stiller, Hank Azaro, Gino Gruffalo and Jeffrey Rush in a film I really like. And I try to get people to watch that all the time when it's on. It's on Amazon. You should I watch it. I like it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's... it's it's an Avengers comedy which would have worked better after the Avengers films. It's a good movie. It's good. Now, the it's also got uh, Cal from Keenan and Cal in it. It does. But did you remember when the rumours were in the 90s that he died? 
It just no, turned it's just out, his career. It just turned out that he just had no career. Um, the Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment, at a time before the director was box office poison. <laughs> no, M. Night Shyamalan still is a box office hit because no, people not. were just always going, is it good? You have to go watch it. Did you see Old? No, I still I think it. I think that's going to be... That's going to be his definer, mate. I think if that films you, I actually might be done with oh, have them. you seen it now? No, no, what I'm saying is, is if I see it, when I see it, if it's bad, I'm actually done with M. Night Shyamalan. With M. Night, all right. I'll never go back because he's, he's poisoned the world too much. Yeah. Everyone's dying. What a great film. Sip Sage Card tonight, and it's worth a revisit. If you haven't seen that movie for a while, that, that movie holds up. The scares are still scary. All right, yeah, you haven't got the twist that you had potentially the first time watching it. But mm. again, talking about, I remember in Woodwork class, mate, people were going ape shit over this film. What Even my class? teacher was joining in. He's like, have oh, you okay. seen Six Sense yet? I was like, no, I haven't. I'm like 12, I'm 13. I'm trying to build a clock. Will you fuck off? Actually, mate, I was trying to build a key ring at that time. <laughs> All right, weird flex. The Thomas Crown Affair with René Rousseau and Pierce Brosnan. Somehow, only the second worst film Pierce Brosnan brought out this year. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad film. One, never remake a film with Stephen Queen because Stephen Queen is, is so much cooler than anyone ever will be. Just don't bother. Mm. It's like, why would you remake The Grey Escape? Don't do it. Don't be, don't be that guy. It's a terrible film. Don't like it. Mickey Blue Eyes, showing you that the uh, mobster film could in fact have a low. Hugh Grant and James Caan in a film so bollocks is bollocks. It's, you can't skirt around the issue. There's no worse. You can you can try and dress up a turd, but sometimes a turd's a turd. Yeah, Mickey Blue Eyes is a turd. Uh, do you want something? I don't know why. I think it's a joke. Universal Soldier, The Return with John claude Van Damme. Don't remember it. I know one of them's got, in one of them, I'm fairly certain Goldberg's in it. That must be a much later one. <laughs> I obviously remember Universal Soldier, the first one. It was Dolph Lundgren in the I first think one. Dolph Lundgren. Villain. But I'm sure he comes back in a later film as well. Yeah, probably. Like I'm pretty sure he's. The, I'm pretty, they do a Terminator, don't they? And he's the good guy lead oh, later right. on. But um, you see, I remember the Universal Soldier movies. Like back in the day, so my parents were divorced. So when we'd go stay with my mum, there was like a little corner shop that rented videos for mm. weekends. And you, there were all the Universal Soldiers in like B movies. Oh, wouldn't they? Like, that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I remember watching these quite fondly growing up. For, you know, I was naive. I was young, James. That's right. You did things you regret. <laughs> <laughs> now September sure month there um, we've got Stigmata with uh, Patricia Kett and Gabriel Byrne which is good because I love the fact that Gabriel Byrne does like 999 was at the time he was going to take on religion <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's just like I'll do this and I'll do the devil I'll, later I'll that's do, fine I'll, <laughs> I'll do fuck it why not I, I, I fix next month well, I'm playing the devil in one month and, uh, <laughs> what are we going to do about then, it I'm going to fight him off it's an alright film I quite liked it it was different you know uh, the investigation of Stigmata issues issues <laughs> Says, <laughs> a film that I know that you, you need a stigma. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like yes, please. So he just stops him. Right, one of my story of echoes: Kevin Bacon and Catherine Noob. Loved that, it. I I think you made. I think I watched this film with you. you. Didn't make me watch it. We watched it one time. Is someone dead in the house? So that, yeah. So he, that a spoiler. <laughs> it, it, I like this movie. It's one of them films where it takes part on like a kind of quiet town, and. You meet all the key players at the beginning of the movie. They're all friendly. They're all good neighbors. And then, a, then a story starts to unfold about someone who's died, and he gets hypnotized. But there's something that lingers after the hypnotism. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and, <laughs> and he starts to kind of get obsessed with trying to find this body. And the neighbors then all of a sudden start thinking he's a bit weird. But is it because they know something? Surveyors, I really enjoyed. I, I remember watching it at the time. Got a freaky uh, box. Was cool box cover mm. art. I remember that and freaking me out a bit. Now, American View obviously went on to win a lot of the Oscars. Kevin Spacey and Ed Benning. It's a good film. I've really enjoyed this film. I like going back to it. It does have a very laughable scene that doesn't age well. It's like, 
Why did you record this? Why did you record this bag floating around? Oh, because it's so beautiful. <coughs> Tell me now that that kid doesn't turn into a high school shooter. Mm. <laughs> He's fucking fucked up. So let's end September as all things should. With the Martin Lawrence film, Blue Street with Lou Wilson, where he, as a criminal, hides a stone in a building, goes to jail, comes back. It's a police station. He has to pretend to be a police station. Do you know what? That's a quite a good story. It's, 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 it's fun. It's just fun. Is it winning Oscars? No. Is it great? Is the end a cop out? It's conundrum, James. He's got David Chappelle in it. I love David Chappelle. September, not the longest month. Now, here we go. October. <sighs> Three Kings, George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, and Asper. I love this film. Ice Cube, not Asper. That's his dad. <laughs> <laughs> and his son, Water. <laughs> Uh, well, that's what that's what global warming does. To you. <laughs> he wasn't Asperger, now he's last <laughs> A great film, I actually love this. It's a based in Iraq war. They steal Saddam's gold. I, I do you know what? It's a good story. Uh, George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg like absolutely hated the director. They had on-screen fights. George Clooney threatened to kill him. Yeah, yeah. It's got was, Jamie Kennedy in it as well. Oh, was it? Oh, I do remember. It's Three Kings, but there's four main characters. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Kennedy's the fourth one. Yeah, that's that's why it's not. That's why we made it. What's going to beat that? What about Fine Club? Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Helena Bonham Carter. Phenomenal film. So this is the thing, isn't it? This is what divides audiences, uh, divides like film fans and film critics. The whole point of this is it's obviously inspired by the Chuck Farnock book story, yeah. where the whole point of that was an exercise in creating fiction that people would idolise and say was brilliant. When if when you it was that, yeah. you you missed the point of what he was trying to say. And it was almost like a club. <laughs> we, we all love it. <laughs> yeah, it, which is which is the downside, isn't it? Is that, so a lot of people say, so actually, the point of Fight Club is you're not supposed to like Fight Club because mm. you fall into the trap of being exactly what the intended experiment of it was, I guess. Can I just say as well that spoilers coming up, but October might be one of my favourite films in cinema. It's a favourite months in cinema. Because what's coming up next? So we've got uh, Boys Don't Cry with Hilary Swank, um, phenomenal film. Mm. Um, it's a great film that, the problem is it's a film that I don't think I'll ever want to rewatch because it's done so well. Like yeah. you feel the trauma and you're like, oh my God, that's horrible that happens. But then again, when that film's made, the world's changed, but you would argue this top changed enough. Like mm. films like that show. But then uh, Bringing Out the Dead, Martin Scorsese film with Nicolas Cage, where Nicolas Cage plays a paradem- uh, paramedic. Tom Sizemore, isn't it? Tom, uh, Tom Sizemore, uh, Ving Reams is in it. Yeah. There's loads of people. This is a fantastic, phenomenal film. This is one of my favourite films of all time. Dark it's movie. One of my favourite Nicolas Cage films. It's one of my favourite Martin Scorsese. Eight millimeter and then this. Yeah. Everyone forgets though that he, in the 90s, he was the man. Oh yeah. Um, I would say that he's probably up there with the definition of box office smashes at the minute, but... We haven't seen Bringing Out the Dead. You, you're terrible. Three to Tango with Matthew. <laughs> Three to Tango, Matthew Perry and Neve Campbell. One of the worst ones I've ever seen. Matthew Perry pretends to be gay so he can be with Neve Campbell. Yeah, it doesn't... It's, it's a terrible film. It, 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 the well. problem was it doesn't age well. It was it ever well? well the, I think I think uh, agents were desperately trying to make Matthew Perry the thing when they have yeah. to things like whole 10 yards or whole, whole nine yards. And then the sequels, the whole 10 yards. And then one of the greatest head screws in cinema ever... Being John Malkovich, a film starring John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, and surprisingly, John Malkovich in multiple roles. Mm. I love this film. <laughs> this film is phenomenal. It, yeah. it comes from the pen of Kaufman, who was a phenomenalist. And I would just like to point out that John Malkovich, in a scene where John Malkovich goes into John Malkovich's head, is quite possibly the most meta-fucking thing I've ever seen. Just like, Malkovich, Malkovich, yeah. Malkovich. <laughs> we go to that Kaufman thing, isn't it, where you're genius or you do mm. love his work or hate it. And- I- I'd love it. Yeah. Um, what a phenomenal year, a month only to be summed up with House on Haunted Hill the great remake because it's kind of over the top show, uh, showy Jeffrey Rush and Famkin Jensen I love this film I think this film's great it's uh, it, it's so bollocks it's it's kind of like what I would say a precursor to Bloomhouse this kind of over the top gory 
kind of rubbish though. If you've ever seen 13 Ghosts with Tony Shalhoub, it's exactly like I believe it started this new craze of remaking these films. What do you mean uh, the, the film with Matthew Lillard in it? Yeah, yeah. where he plays a psychic. That can How see they haven't done that into a Netflix series? Don't give him one ideas. No, because each week you could have a oh, different no, I ghost. Thought, I thought you meant Matthew Lillard. Oh. <laughs> Don't turn him into a series. I know that you love this, mate, because I watched this round your house. Well, Jeffrey Rush in this as well. He's doing... Um, Vincent Price. Vincent but Price. He plays a character called Stephen Price, but yeah. he is doing Vincent Price. He's doing an impression of Vincent Price who was in the original movie. Yeah. It is really, really gory, isn't it? Tay Diggs is in it, mate. Tay Frank Diggs. Jensen. How can I forget about Tay Diggs? Ali Lata, mate. And this is... Uh, was this pre... Final Destination? No, it would have been... It would have been after. No, this was pro. No, uh, this I, was after Final Destination because Sean William Scott was in that and then his big breakout was American Pie, but I'm certain he was in Final Destination first. I don't know. I could be corrected. Uh, I think you're going to be corrected because she's in this later in the list. I've got a surprise list for you afterwards. I don't know how true it is. I got it from the internet. What, so Final Destination? Yeah. No, Final Destination's not in it. I thought it was a 2000s film. It, was like it is two- 2000. There you go. Yeah. Don't yeah. ever fucking question me on the Final Destination film. I promise you I won't. <laughs> That's not what we tell though. No, seriously, please don't. <laughs> Here's a flashback for you though. So we used to have an NTL box at home. Jesus Christ. NTL used to sponsor Aston Villa. Fuck me. I do not know why. And they used to sponsor Newcastle, mate. Mate. Don't have a quiz me on NTL. <laughs> um, they, <laughs> Channel, sorry, 50, sorry, mate. Channel 50, you could rent movies. And this was back when you could record the movie. So you pay for like $3.99 for it. And I remember we got Bride of Chucky. You know, yeah, Bride of Chucky, mm-hmm. which I think came out in 98. And then, um, then House on Hollywood Hill, and, and it was one of them that we recorded. <laughs> and then when people come around, like friends and everything, I was like, watch this film, it's fucked up. Like, it's, but now when you look back at it, not a great movie. No, not a great movie. Right, November. Now we are smashing it. We've only got two months to go, but we have got some big ones. Starting off with quite popular from that everyone remembers from 1999, The Bachelor with Chris O'Donnell and Renee Zellweger. He's got to get married, mate. Otherwise he won't win his fortune. It's a bollocks film, which when I saw it, I was like, I've seen that film. I've got to write it down when we're talking about the best year in film. So let's ignore that. But go to The Bone Collector, which we were talking about a few weeks ago with Denzel Washington and probably breakout star at the time, Angelina Jolie, making a big name for herself in a great film where Denzel Washington plays a paraplegic. But it was the first... It probably was the first forensics crime-driven story that we saw. He loves a bit of forensics. He does love a bit of forensics. And then Andrew Jelling plays the streetwise cop who starts to learn the ways, tries to distance herself from like what you'd call a cold world of the forensics. They don't go after the criminal. They go after what they've left behind. It's a really cool metaphor. Now, one of the most underrated films of all time, The Insider with Al Pacino and Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe playing a... A tobacco executive that tries to go back and whistleblow that they were making cigarettes addictive. Absolutely amazing film. This this is a is it Ridley Scott? I think you're right. Uh, I don't know. It's an absolutely cracking film. Like if you haven't seen it, problem is I've not seen it on anything. This is the sort of film that should be on Amazon right now or or Netflix. You know, just there in Hollywood classics. It's a great film that I think was up. It's, it's most claim to fame was I'm fairly certain it was up for the most Oscars, but didn't win any of them. It screams Amazon Prime. This movie it does. But I'm fairly certain I, I do remember something like, like Russell Crowe was up for it. The actor was up for it. Uh, the director and the film. They're it's all Michael up. Mann. Oh, Michael Mann. Um. As I recall, it was, it's one of those famous, like, you just got beat by American Beauty. Like, any, if that film wasn't there, it would have been The Insider. Now, a film that you're going to have to take the heat on, mate, because I never saw it, because I don't care. A film that, a Pokemon, the first movie, which was fucking massive. I didn't see it, but I remember people were so crazy about this film. I had Pokemon trading cards, and I used to watch the TV series. Yeah. Every day after school. Pokemon, gotta catch them all. Do you know what would worry me though as a, as, a, as an adult if I had a kid? I'd be like, the first movie is like, oh, this is going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I didn't go to the cinema to watch it. I, someone, again, someone spoiled this as much as The Sixth Sense before I saw that movie. They were like, Bruce Willis is a ghost and Ash dies at the end of it. 
But it was all about introducing, at the time, I could be wrong, but the next in my head, toys, wasn't it? It was the idea that there's a hundred, like the extra, 51 or whatever, the Mewtwo character was the big reveal that oh, right. this was going to introduce. I watched it as an adult and I definitely should have watched it more as a kid. Now, it does, I, I have friends that are into, you know, like kind of um, pop I've culture just, and stuff. Just realised, doesn't Pikachu bring back to life by crying on him? Yeah, I've seen the clip. And, I've yeah, seen the and, film and I do know that Pokemon holds very highly uh, with with some people in regards to, like, I say, pop culture, anime, and, and animation so and stuff not, like that. So, so it's not slagged off too much. Yeah, I, I think it is renowned as being a, a well fought and loved film. My first introduction to the director, Kevin Smith, next yeah. with Dogma, Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Salma Hayek, and Anna Rubin. I'd like to point out when I first watched it, I didn't like it. However, is a film that I went to, a few years later to re, and it is actually Slice of Man. Is a is a very. I'm class. I am technically a Roman Catholic. I have a weird relationship with my faith. I prefer to think of myself as as agnostic. And he made a film that was religious in dripping in religion, but also dripping in realism. It's like mm. that's not how we celebrate our faith. I, I quite like it. And also, it was nice to see a young Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. You know, before they become well, what they are now. And Alan Rickman doesn't have a penis. He does not. Good, good I, I think my first Kevin Smith was More Rats, I think. I saw More Rats after this. Yeah. And then, um, but Dog, Dogma is certainly worth a revisit. Now, because I listen to a lot of Kevin Smith podcasts as well, you start to notice a lot of characters in there yeah. and and um, and cameos. But also Red State, the movie. I love Red State. So that was supposed to end with a gigantic Ben Affleck. Um, oh, implying that they, he was the angel. They, the, yeah, that they do actually have, they, there is the, uh, what do they call it? The... Doomsday or whatever it yeah. is at the end of that. Um, the oh fucking hell, I was on tip my tongue just then. I'm again. No, the Rapture. Ah, yeah. So the Rapture. Oh, scene, I get it because that's what he's doing in the Red Stays and he's talking about the Rapture. Yeah, comedy. yeah. So, so it was supposed to end. You know that big siren at the end of that movie. Yeah, that's supposed to be but the they coming. Didn't, they didn't have the budget and they couldn't get Ben Affleck. But the original script was that a gigantic Affleck was going to go around just splicing people in half. Fair enough. And that was how the movie was going to end. That's pretty cool. I would like that. I fucking would have seen that. Now, um, Sleeping Hollow, on paper, Johnny Depp, Christina Ritchie, Christopher Walken, telling about the story of the headless horseman coming around and taking his vengeance on the small uh, small uh, town of Sleepy Hollow. Should be a home run. Why wasn't it? I didn't mind Sleepy Hollow. I like uh, Ichabob Crane. I think this was Johnny Depp at his, at his height. No, I mean, I, Tim Burton doing Tim Burton wonky trees to his height. You know, uh, I, I didn't mind it. Chris Walken was fucking scary with his head. He, he was, but he didn't do anything. He just kind of growls. I, I, I find like, it really weird that you get Christopher Walken and you don't speak. <laughs> it's like, it's one of his powers. It's like getting Channing Tatum in and not having his face. It's like, it's literally the only reason. He's, he's not a good actor. He's got a fucking head in half the scenes. <laughs> Something scarier than Sleepy Hollow. The fact that they made the world is not enough. This is, and I've put in notes here for you just so you knew which one it was. Pierce Brosnan, Sophie Marcel, Robert Carlin, and Denise Richards. The shit one about submarines and fucking oil. Yes, we get it. Oils. The problem I have with this was this came on the balance of two pretty strong Bond films. It was Gold Nine. The, the not the world is not enough. Time die tomorrow, tomorrow never so, dies. Tomorrow never dies, which was a good one. But the world is not enough is a shit one. And what came after that? I think it's time to time to die. Time die to kill. Day. Die, die another day. Which the, is the Madonna one. So this one, this one's one of the lowest Bonds you'll ever see. This is the one with Halle Berry. No, that's the next one. This one, this one is the one where Robert Carlyle can't feel pain because he's got a bullet in his head, but somehow isn't dead because that's how science works. But that bullet is slowly moving; it will kill. Yeah, him. so it will kill him eventually. Um, spoilers, but Sophie Marseille is supposed to be on this side. She owns the pipelines, but it turns out that she's actually the bad guy. And and I swear to God, Denise Richards plays a Doctor Christmas. 
And she says, don't make any jokes. I've heard them all before. And Pierce Brosnan says, I thought Christmas only came once a year. Ha. Well, it's a shit film. Do not, it's a bad film, Mike. Yeah. Judy Dench is in it. John Cleese. Yeah. Replacing, I think he was actually. uh, Goldie was in it. Yep. So was uh, Robert Carlyle. Uh, Not Robert Carlyle. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. Yeah. Reprising his famous role from Goldeneye, where he's married to Minnie Driver. And Minnie Driver's literally the only character I wanted back because I love Minnie Driver. She needs to call me. <laughs> right. Can I just say that The World Is Not Off is one of the worst Bonds. And when we do Pierce Brosnan, that film will get its time. <laughs> and, but it's then coming. It is coming one day. Let's, let's, let's do a story. Do you know what? Let's take an actor who 1999 hasn't come up so far. Let's say they had a career in the early 90s and the late 80s was, was action-based. How about in this one, they're not actually action-based, but let's say they've got a bit of an ego. And in the past, they've taken out you know, they've tried to kill pregnant women. <laughs> they've tried to, you know, save the day from aliens. But how? How about this? How about he just, fuck it, takes on the devil? Toy Story 2. That would be fucking epic. End of days, mate. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Gabriel Byrne, who, who Gabriel Byrne gives the best impression of the devil pissing up a, pissing up in a car that explodes that you'll ever see in film. Yeah, only, 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 because, Kevin Pollock. only because he killed Kevin Pollock, yeah. <laughs> Which is a shame. Which Kevin is a better for his career. <laughs> Kevin no. Pollock needs to die, more thing. I, I think... Um, I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger being on Radio 1 promoting this movie and talking about like the end of the millennium. The because millennium that's exactly, that's what it was based on. Mm. It was like, he must have been hoping that the millennium doesn't happen. It's like, I hope we don't die in the millennium because the box office will tank. I'm going to tell you right now, <laughs> didn't buy this movie. I liked End of Days. I liked End of Days. You and I are just some of the only people supporting this film. I liked it. It was different. It was brilliant. I do think the CGI devil at the end, if I remember correctly, is a bit bollocks. I wish they kept it to Gabriel Byrne because it was more menacing to so There is a scene though where I'm fairly certain Gabriel Byrne has a threesome with the daughter and a mum, but in a dream. Yeah. <laughs> sure that happens. Yeah, but I think Gabriel Burns made a good devil in this as well. He did make a good devil. Yeah. Um, now, quite possibly, you talk about animated films, maybe the best animated film of all time, Toy Story 2. Mm, yeah. Um, I, I think this is it. I think if you're talking about the pinnacle of storytelling... The introduction of Kelsey Grammer in this was a touch of genius. It's yeah. the movie that nearly... This is the movie, isn't it, that nearly got deleted. Yes, I've heard that rumor. Yeah, so this is obviously when uh, Woody is basically going to have a new life as a respected toy. But he's, he's moved from toy to collector's item. And I really think that's really cool. Like a toy is something that you love. A collector's item is something that you watch. And it, the film does a very sort of job of saying the magic of toys is in how you play. And there's nothing wrong with being a collectible, but at the same time, it's not a toy mm. unless you enjoy it. And there's a really good scene. And you know what? It's got good piss taking because I remember when Zorg is fucking Bruce, it was his uh, father. I love that shit. Mm. It's like. I am your father. No, next thing, play catch with me, dad. <laughs> Absolutely great film. And then we finally come into the end of the year. And I like all years do, we end on December. The Cider House Rules, Toby Maguire and Michael Caine. Gonna be honest, I don't remember it. Yeah, I had this on DVD. Really good. My mum's still got it. My mum mentioned this movie the other day. It's weird, isn't it? Did you tell her we were doing this episode? Though? No, but I remember it because it, off the back of Spider Man and uh, Toby Maguire. So, can I just say something that we, I didn't bring up in the Spider Man episode, but. No, actually, no, I'm going to keep it spoiled for you. I don't want to be that dick. Um, December also gave rise to Juice Bigelow, male Jiggo, showing that 999 wasn't all perfect mm. because it gave Rob Schneider a career. The Green Mile, we haven't heard about Tom Hanks lately, so David Morse and Michael Clark Duncan come out in the best interpretation, I would say, of Stephen King's work. I love Not Shawshank? Oh, bugger, I never even thought that. Not Dreamcatcher? Why is Dreamcatcher called Dreamcatcher? I actually had a question three years ago and I still received, I still have not received an answer. Answers on a postcard. Green Marlowe, celebration of everything that was great. And I don't like Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks, no, that's not true. 
I don't, I don't dislike Tom Hanks. Anyway, it's a great film. Really like it. And I know you're a big fan of What Came Next, which is Bicentennial Man with Robin Williams and Sam Neill. Long movie. It's too long. He actually turns from a robot into human in real time, I think. So yeah. I haven't watched People it. People have died while watching that movie. Um, Girl Interrupted, Winona Ryder and Angelina Jolene. Phenomenal film looking at the Psychiatric Institute and especially how we treated women during that period. The great film with uh, great highlights. It's also got, um, who's that actress that sadly passed away as well? Anyway, there's Brittany got Murphy. Brittany Murphy. She's great in that as well. Yeah. There's a lot of great uh, actresses in that. Now, Any Given Sunday. I'm sorry, mate. I don't think I've seen this film. Got to watch it just for the halftime speech. Yeah, with, I've, uh, after, I've, you know. I have seen the speech because I believe episode one, you, me and Sam, you played this to motivate us. Because I, think, I remember when you were playing it going, I don't think I know this. They also, they're using the music now at the moment on the Just Eat. No, not Just Eat. Yeah, Just Eat adverts. I have heard it's on something. Yeah. Um, any given Sunday, that was. Um, Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey and Danny DeVito. I'm going to say, one of Jim Carrey's best performances. The, uh, any given Sunday as well is, oh, um, is what's his name? Um, Dennis Quaid. Uh, Dennis Quaid, isn't it? No, it's uh, director, um, Platoon, Oliver... Oliver Stone. Stone. Yeah. I did not it's know a good that. movie. Um, Man on the Moon, Jim Carrey, about uh, Andy Kaufman. I do really like it. It's a good film. I do really like it, yeah. I don't get the end. Does it imply that he's still alive? No. <laughs> right, okay. Okay. Great film. Mm. Even Jerry the King Lawler from wrestling comes back into it and they kind of de-age him. And Courtney loves it. I thought, sure, I didn't know if I was reading the notes correctly. Right. Angela's Ashes, Emily Watson and Robert Carlyle. God, if you want to be really depressed, watch Angela's Ashes about a life in Ireland. Terrible accents are going to throw you though. Galaxy Quest, one of my more favourable uh, piss takes. It's a really good take. It takes, it takes quite a good shot at Star Trek, especially William Shatner. Tim Allen, do you know what? He doesn't get a lot of props, but Tim Allen does a great job of taking the piss out of William Shatner. Scorny Weaver's brilliant. And Alan Rickman having a good year. I was going to say, the three of them together work perfectly. They yeah. do work perfectly. Even throwing out Tony Schlub and Rain Wilson, um, mm. famous for being, uh, well, actually, I'll get on to that in a minute. Now, Magnolia with Tom Cruise hated that film, but it was a very successful film. I do not like it. Don't care. Um, the Talented Mr. Ripley, Matt Damon, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Jude Law. Mm. No, not a fan. I did, do you know what? I did... They've got very weird memories, but they came up with a sequel with John Malkovich, didn't they? Like a few years ago. Not that long ago. And I remember liking that more. Was it a prequel or something? I don't know. I don't know. And finally, to finish it off, Denzel Washington and John Hanna in The Hurricane, a biopic about, obviously, the famous boxer who went to jail for a crime they did not commit. I do like The Hurricane. The Hurricane's a great film. And uh, this is one of the films that they think Denzel should have won for. Yeah, I mean... When they talk... You... Sorry. I was just going to say, when... if you... <laughs> the problem is redacted in American Beauty was very good. <laughs> so... It's going to be, it's going to be a hard one. Um, that was 1999 in film. Now, there's another reason we can love 1999, Aaron. Would you like to know why? Mm. Because 1999 gave us the big screen debuts of Amy Adams in Drop Dead Gorgeous, Joe Baruchel in Running Home, Zoe Dachanel in Mumford, Idris Elba in Belly Manor, Colin Farrell in The War Zone, oh, good. James Franco in Never Been Kissed, Zach Galifianakis in Flushed, Regina Hall in The Best Man, Hugh Jackman in Paperback Hero, Dakota Johnson in Crazy in, in Alabama, Chris Klein in Election, or I, was, I, was, I was, you know, Ashton Kutcher in Coming Soon, Ali Larter in Varsity Blues, Justin Long in Galaxy Quest, Kate Mara in Random Hearts, Melissa McCarthy in Go, Simon Pegg in Tube Tales, Sean William Scott in American Pie, and Rain Wilson in Galaxy Quest. So they all made their big screen debuts in 1999. So a lot of big names in there, including one of our literally, we've voted her, Amy Adams. 
So I don't know what we did in the 1990 episode where we rated the year. I don't know if yeah. we just took the piss by we the We just took the piss. I think we rated but, it out of 2021. <laughs> so, but what what are, you, what are your instincts on 99? Do you know what? I actually think when you hear how good it is, when you see on paper, it's not that good. But you've got to remember, nowadays, the, the best films in cinema, there's like a handful. There was more than a handful. We had generated... The problem is at the time, I don't think we understood what we had. There's a lot of double hitters in there as well. People having two good movies mm. that, that year. But also when you look at the top 10, I think it's quite skewed. So I told you about those gross, which again, I got off the internet, it might not be completely true, but, but Bringing Out the Dead is one of the best films ever made. And it's weird that I actually forgot it was out in 1999. Um, Toy Story 2 is quite possibly the most well-written animated film up until... Probably Coco. Spider- well, I fucking love Coco. Spider-Man, Spider-Verse. Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Verse, something like that. So... I think it is. I think it holds up. And do you want know what, yeah. what this film, what this year's got? It's got a lot of classics that you wouldn't say are great films. Blue Streak is not going to win like any awards, but it's a lot better than like Norbit from another year. It's it's small hitters are better as well. They prop up the big boys and the big boys Matrix. Yeah, it's it's good as well to see a blend of movies that I would have dated before. Virus I would have thought was way before yeah. ninety nine. Payback I thought was before ninety nine, and then. The cool intentions, you know, those movies I would have thought 96, 97, mm-hmm. analyze, uh, analyze this. this, yeah. Whereas there's a lot of movies in there that I'm like, oh, fuck, was that 99? You know, it's got that nice blend of movies that I thought were older and some that I thought were way more recent than that. I think there's loads of gems in there as well. You talk about the big hitters, but other movies like, you know, The Mummy. The Mummy, I've always forget about that, which is really weird because that seems to me like that's got to be an early 2000s mm. film because of the CGI in it. But it's weird is because I remember The Haunting being the film that we should look at, but The Mummy was came out before it and has better CGI. Yeah. But I, yeah. I will remember this as the year of bad CGI, but it was because it was one of the first years of CGI. And we'll remember this also as a year of movies that will not get made anymore. We will not get Deep Blue Sea anymore. Thanks. Well, thanks. We, we may, but it'll go straight to DVD. Yeah. Um, or be Sharknado. Yeah. It's, um, you know, th- th- there's a lot in here. I, I really like this year actually looking at it. Would you say there's an outstanding, what was, what's your top pick? <sighs> If we're talking about the, my favourite film is Bringing Out the Dead. The best film is either Toy Story 2, mate, or The Matrix, or Fight Club. It's between those three because those those three films did so much for different genres or yeah. careers. If I had to pick, gone to me a Toy Story 2 because it's a fucking classic. It's Toy Story 2, Iron Giant, I think, as if well. We, if we, you and I had done this, if we were 99 and we were doing this podcast, as we're normal, we would probably do our favourite animated film, which would definitely be Toy Story 2. Mm. And then I'd probably go bring it out of the dead. I'd, I'd piss and argue about that for a while. I might go The Mummy. Yeah. I think that's definitely the funnest film we've seen in a while. It's a great film. Yeah. And I don't mean funniest. I mean the funnest film. When you're watching it, you watch it with a smile on your face because it's, it's beautiful balls. What a year. What a year indeed. Next time we'll probably do something like 95, kind of go in the middle mm. a little bit. Save 98 it, for when, the... When did Independence Day come out? That's, that's all I'm waiting for, mate. 97, I think. Oh, Armageddon after. You slut. That's our show this week. If you did download, let us know off this list or any other movies from 1999, what was your favourite movie? Uh, let's have that discussion. Uh, this has been our podcast for this week. If you don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>